Welcome to Practicing Connection, a podcast exploring the personal stories and collective practices that empower us to work together to improve our resilience and readiness in a rapidly changing world. Here to start the conversation are Jessica Beckendorf and Bob Birch. Hi, and Happy New Year. It's great to have you here with us listening to Practicing Connection as we settle into 2023. This year is going to be the fourth season for the Practicing Connection podcast, and Jessica and I are really, really looking forward to sharing it with you. This season, we're going to be talking about how we can work together to help others in integrated systems of support, like the military family readiness system, our local food systems, and many other systems as well. And we'll have many other topics that we'll discuss with you Uh, in the future as well. To make sure that you don't miss any of those upcoming episodes, please take some time to subscribe to Practicing Connection in your favorite podcast app and sign up to be part of the Practicing Connection community, which includes a monthly email keeping you up to date on the podcast and all the other work that we're doing with Practicing Connection. You can do that at oneop.org slash practicing dash connection. We're going to start 2023 with a replay of an episode from the first season of the podcast. I can't believe that this is going to be the fourth season already. Over the years, we've talked a lot about the importance of building relationships before you need them. But talking about it and actually doing it are definitely two different things. So in the episode you're about to hear, we share a relationship building framework that has been really influential in our work. It comes from Working Out Loud, a book that was written by John Stepper. John came up with this really great way of intentionally working on building and maintaining relationships. There's five clear elements in the Working Out Loud framework. Purposeful discovery, relationship building, generosity, visible work, and developing a growth mindset. And in this episode, we take you through each one to get you started building new relationships. I hope you enjoy it. So let's get started with purposeful discovery. Um, This is actually one of my, um, of the five elements, this is one of my favorites because um, I really enjoy learning new things and I enjoy thinking about um, learning new skills and habits. So Bob, I'm wondering, purposeful discovery, is this something that, you know, you would mind kind of taking us through? Sure. You know, one of the ways that we talk about purposeful discovery when we're when we're using the working out loud framework is just to draw a contrast right between how we maybe consume information in the in the normal world in the everyday world uh where it's sort of washing over us um it's in our face all the time um and in contrast how we could be intentional about seeking out that information and then applying that to the idea of relationships. So some relationships, like we don't get to pick, right? Um, your coworkers, you know, I mean, maybe you decided to take a job or not take a job, but people get hired and come in and leave and, and you don't have a lot of control over that, but you have to have relationships with those people. Obviously your family, you're built, you're born into relationships and, um, you know, maybe even extending to 
you know, friends that are friends of a partner, but not necessarily you or something like that. So you don't always get to choose, right? Um, your relationships kind of come in, some of your relationships come in and out of your life without a lot of control on your part. And so the idea of purposeful discovery is to really take some control over that. And at least in a domain that, that you select to have control over the relationships that you want to establish. This can apply to anything from if you want to learn how to knit, you know, you, you want to, you want to learn how to knit. You don't know anyone who knits and um, you want to start to discover um, who you know and what relationships to develop so that you can learn. Um, it can, it can apply to things small like that. And it can also in the context of uh, disaster readiness, um, it, it applies to, you know, taking stock of who are some of those people you need to know what are what do you need to know in the event of a, an emergency and and then you can start to to kind of shape up who you might want to start um, developing relationships with whether they're professional relationships or their relationships that um, you know you might need for your own personal reasons yeah I think that's really a great point and you know thinking back to our last episode in our discussion with Danielle Swallow from Sea Grant, Delaware, um, you know, Danielle talked about disaster readiness. Part of that really being to know what your risks are. And that seems to me like a good place to start when you're doing purposeful discovery for, uh, you know, finding those relationships for disaster re readiness. It's like, what, what are my risks? What, am I susceptible to? What is my family susceptible to? What is my workplace susceptible to? Wherever you want to put your focus. And then, you know, once you have an idea of what those risks are, purposefully going out and identifying those relationships, those connections that you might need if, uh, you know, a hazard or disaster uh, arose. That's a, a really great um, segue into relationship building, the second element of working out loud. Relationship building helps you see the value of connecting with others and helps you practice establishing and nurturing relationships. And, you know, relationship building is, is very interesting. Everyone approaches it differently. And so it would also help, I think, or it's helped me to know what some of my, um, I guess, strengths and pitfalls are with relationship building. Like I'm really good at meeting a lot of people, um, but I'm not always really good at keeping the ties going. And so I know that that's something I have to work on. So um, as I create, um, a lot of times with working out loud, we have you create a relationship list. You think through, once you've thought through the things that you might need to know, or the topic that you're trying to learn more about, or the, um, the area of your life that you're trying to develop relationships in, then you, you can create a list of, of people or a list of, of, uh, of types of people to try to get to know. And um, for me, when I do that, I might actually place people that I already know on that list and um, make it make a point to uh, keep making connections with them and to not let those ties get weaker. Um, because in my case, that's what I need to do. Um, because I know, I know where my weakness lies with relationship buildings. Yeah, I am the same the same way, Jessica. I, and I think it's it's completely okay, you know, and good to put people that you might already be aware of or know. So when we're in that purposeful discovery phase, we're not just always looking at 
uh, new people or connections that you haven't established, but but where you pay attention to connections that that need to be uh, cultivated further, deepened in some in some way, and that speaks to the nature of all of our connections, which you know get referred to as your as your network. Um, and in this context of disaster readiness, I would go further and and describe it as your social support network. And when we talk about those networks, uh, we talk about how important it is to not uh, just have a lot of contacts, but to have uh, diversity in those connections, both in terms of perspectives or certain kinds of information or support that they could bring to you, but also in terms of strength of, of connection. So, you know, if you are trying to get disaster ready in a particular area and build a social support network around that, um, it might be enough of a connection to just have a a sort of low level or a weak, what we might call a weak tie in terms of strength of tie uh, to somebody who has some information, right? So I know, you know, who the emergency manager is in my community, or I know who uh, is in charge of the disaster plan in our building. Um, and, and maybe I don't need to have more of a relationship that I just have to know that's the person I need to contact and they know my name and I know their name and, and I have enough of a connection there. But in other areas of your life, you might need a much deeper connection or at least somewhat of a deeper connection all the way maybe to, you know, a, a deeper end of that spectrum where, uh, you might think about, Hey, I'm going to be under extreme emotional stress uh, in the case of a disaster. Um, who's that person that I have a deep enough relationship with that I can share that with them and work through that with them and and support them as well? So that that diversity and variance in terms of the strengths of our relationships is important as well. Which so that so I like the idea that you're putting people on your list that you already know or that you already have a connection with because there's an opportunity there to cultivate those relationships further. Yeah, I actually downloaded an app on my phone that allows you to, um, it's called Cultivate, I think. Uh, I'm not trying to advertise the app, but I really enjoy it. It, it has you list out the people you want to stay in touch with, and then you can set reminders on a regular basis, um, and it'll it'll shoot you a a reminder that you need to contact this person. I found that really useful. You know, uh, if I'm being completely honest, I'm not, um, st I'm still not very um, consistent, but I'm, those reminders like that really help me to, to start to become more consistent and to be reminded um, that I need to keep in touch with people. So we all have to find the adaptations that work for us, right? <laughs> Yeah, definitely. You know, I think it's important to to think about too that there's no shortcuts to it. You know, uh, in an earlier episode of the podcast, we talked about transformational relationships, and um, this takes work, time, practice. Relationships matter and can keep you resilient and ready. And identifying those and being intentional about about building them uh, can can help you become more. Uh, resilient and ready in the face of disaster.
this next one um, actually gets a little bit into um, how we how we can deepen some of these relationships um, and how we can even start some of the relationships uh, through generous acts, through the act, acts of true generosity. It seems like a really easy concept on the surface to understand, um, but there's a lot involved in it. Um, I'll give you a, a quick example, then I'd love to hear your perspective on generosity. And my example is that things like time and attention are on the list of generous acts um, that John Stepper talks about. But I would even say uh, it says time and attention, but within the time and attention, I think there's some listening, um, some real true listening and being open to what the other person is saying and being open to um, kind of shaping your own thinking and then continuing this cycle of sharing and listening and being open to each other. And so, um, you know, obviously there's lots of other things on this list of um, generous acts and you can, you can come up with a list of, of thousands of things you can do for somebody. But I really have just recently been kind of opened up to understanding that the gifts of time and attention include listening and, um, and, you know, circling back and, and continuing to um, interact. So that's kind of my recent revelation well, and I think you need to, if we go back a little bit and talk about generosity and, and why it works, right? So we were talking a little bit about the kinds of things that we want to be generous around or generous with. But the reason that generosity works, especially in this context of, of disaster readiness and resilience, is that it helps us build relationships that are not transactional. Um, and when I say transactional, I mean, you know, I do something for you because I expect someone to do something for me. Right. Um, and, or expect you to do something for me. I do something for you. I expect you to do something for me, not just someone else. Um, <laughs> I totally would though, Bob, if you did something for me, I would totally do something for you. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, so we want that, that level and it, and it, in this context, I think it might be a little bit challenging, right? It's like you might, you know, people might be thinking to themselves, you know, I'm not trying to have a best friend here. I just want to be able to, you know, work with my colleagues to, you know, do what we need to do uh, when there's a pandemic and we have to move all of our work online. But there is a depth of relationship that is necessary for that particular uh, task. And for any kind of collaboration, there has to be some connection and relationship. And the way that we get there is through generosity. And what generosity does, not the act of, of being generous and not transactional, is that it builds trust, right? Mm -hmm. Transactionality does not build trust because you are measuring somebody's reliability uh, based on they're, they're returning a particular action and you can't always expect them to do that if you don't trust them, right? You, ha you have to actually open up and anticipate that maybe they will return the favor, maybe they won't return the favor, but I have to, you know, you know have this, this faith in the future in, that they will. And that's trust. That's what trust is, um, is that we, we trust someone to act in a particular way before we actually see it, 
right? And sometimes you hear that. I've heard people say this before. It's like, well, I'll trust it when I see it happen or whatever. And it's like, well, that's not trusting. Sorry. That's, that's just evidence, right? When you see it happen, that's just evidence. There's no trust necessary. No faith necessary, right? Um, you, so trust is without evidence, it, you know, expecting something from someone, right? Or trusting them to do the thing that you, that you think is the right thing. And that is an act of generosity. Mm-hmm. When you're trusting someone, that is being generous, right? You're not yeah. going to call them to the carpet. You're going to, and say, no, I don't trust you until you do X for me. You're saying, I'm going to be generous with my trust, with my time, with my attention. And when we trust people, they trust us back. And, and that's what deepens the relationship. You know, so Bob, I've, I've done some, I've done a little bit of, of teaching on um, specifically on the topic of trust. And I, I will first admit, I've done some teaching on it. I'm not an expert on the topic of trust, but I have, um, you know, I've done some reading and I've, I've, I've thought through a few things. And one of the things I, I read that I found really interesting was that so it, it goes to your point that um, trusting someone is an act of generosity. Um, and so when you don't trust someone until they've done something, um, I guess, quote unquote, right in your eyes, or they've done something for you, or they've consistently done a certain thing, when you don't trust until they've, they've done that thing, it's sort of like you're playing a game because they don't know what game you're playing because we all, we all have different ways we approach relationships and different ways we approach um, things like trust and how we give it and who we give it to. And so, you know, when you are holding out your trust until someone has done something for you or they've done something in a way that you would like them to do it, um, then you're, you're sort of playing a game that they don't know the rules to. And it's, it's a little, you know, lopsided. So another element of the working out loud framework is, is visible work. And John Stepper, you know, wrote Working Out Loud with a lens uh, that was kind of focused on the corporate workplace um, and how to be more engaged and fulfilled uh, in your work. So the term visible work sort of comes from that. And I think it's, it's valuable. It's important. Like that's one way to unlock relationships that might not be on your list. Is, is making your work visible. Hey, I'm interested in this area. I just want to let everyone know, or, um, you know, here's some, something that I'm working on. Does anybody have any comments? And, you know, things like that, let people know, oh, hey, that's a potential connection. Um, and you're making yourself visible. And that's really how I like to think of it is it doesn't necessarily have to be strictly work related or have some work product attached to it but it's the idea of making yourself visible so that other people can can connect with you it's hard to connect with somebody who you can't see <laughs> um or who's moving around all the time and and so this act of of taking time to think about how am i making myself visible can be really helpful in building existing relationships people discover things about you that they maybe didn't know because you are making yourself visible and that deepens the relationship and also establishing new relationships because people discover you, they can see you, um, and then see the opportunity to, to connect with you. 
Yeah, I really appreciate the distinction between, you know, this does not have to be your work because I think that um, I've had some people ask me like, wait, you want me to share like an unfinished report with people? And, and, you know, I always, I always have to kind of explain this one a little bit because um, I, I like to say that it's about sharing what's on your mind, what you're thinking, what you're learning, and even sharing a little bit about the, the direction that you're, you're trying to go in. Um, because there are people out there that not only would see something like that and help you get to where you're going or help you go in the direction you're hoping to go in, but um, genuinely want to connect with you in the process. And they want to connect just because you're interested in um, whatever it was you were sharing about, or just because you um, hold maybe a different viewpoint than them um, or, or a similar viewpoint. Um, it happens both ways. And so I, I, I a lot of times like to share this as sort of a, you know, think of it as sharing what's on your mind, um, which is really vulnerable and can be really difficult for a lot of people. I will say this is an, of the five elements, this is the one I think I have the most trouble with because I have terrible imposter syndrome. <laughs> and I'm a little afraid that when I start to share those kind of unfinished thoughts in my mind or the things that I'm starting to, to move toward that, um, if I'm being honest, I'm afraid I'm wrong, which is so funny because it's learning and learning is not wrong. <laughs> um, but yes, that's that's one of the ways I like to look at it is sharing what's on your mind and sharing what you're learning and things. So let's get into the last element, developing a, a growth mindset or cultivating a growth mindset. I think that when you're able to, um, when you're able to kind of notice what's going on and start connecting with people about it um, and start to share some of that um, sort of thinking that you're having with others. Um, that is, I think, evidence of the growth mindset at work, or at least I think it would be for, for those of us who, who might be a little more um, hesitant to share um, our work out loud. And so as you continually cultivate a growth mindset that builds the muscle for you to feel good about sharing what's on your mind out loud. And so um, in case in, in case this is a new term for, for some folks, the growth mindset is really about um, understanding that you can always learn more and you can always do more and, and you don't have to be perfect at anything. Um, you really just need to keep moving forward and um, continue your learning. One of the phrases we've used before is that it's not about um, being good at something. It's about getting better at something. And it's always about just getting better. Yeah, it sounds simple. I think, you know, most of us, if just we asked is like, hey, can you get better at something if you practice it? Uh, we would say, yeah. But I still find myself thinking about you know, our disaster preparedness and readiness as a family saying, yeah, but I'm not good at organizing or I'm not good at making plans or, you know, th that's an example of a fixed mindset. I'm not good at this, so I, I can't do it. Um, and so it takes, it takes work. I think it takes, you know, being aware of it, 
to cultivate a, bro- a growth mindset and say, yeah, I'm, I have not been the greatest at being organized or making plans uh, in the past, but I can get better at it. What's one small step I can take today to get a little bit better at it? And so some of those disaster readiness tips that, that you might have found at, at ready.gov or that you heard Danielle uh, and Chris share on our last episode about community resilience, or if you're been attending the Military Family Readiness Academy uh, that Sarah Croyman shared a little bit about uh, with you today, th- th- take those little steps, right, and do one of them because I think that opens up some of the possibilities in terms of a growth mindset. Is that if I just start here, maybe I can make a plan, or if I start here, maybe I can be better at budgeting, or I'll invite you today, if you start here with making your relationship list for your own disaster readiness and resilience, uh, you can be a little bit better at at building relationships that support that resilience. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Practicing Connection in a Complex World. If you're interested in taking you're learning a little bit deeper and you want to learn more about this framework, you can check out the Building Networks for Resilience learning experience on the Military Families Learning Network website. We will have a link to it in our show notes. Also, if you want to check out more of the Working Out Loud framework, you can check that out on workingoutloud.com. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Practicing Connection. We hope you'll join us again as we explore practices like the Working Out Loud framework that help us feel more connected, empowered, and inspired. You can keep up with Practicing Connection by subscribing to the podcast in your favorite podcast app, by signing up to be part of the Practicing Connection community at oneop.org slash practicing dash connection, and by following us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at Practicing Connection. That's at practicing CXN. We send our thanks out to our announcer, Kaylin Goebel, to Hannah Hyde and Terry Meisenbach for their help with marketing, and to Nathan Grimm, who composed and performed all the music you hear on the podcast. Once again, thank you so much for joining us. Please join us again soon. And in the meantime, keep practicing. Practicing Connection podcast is a production of One-Op and is supported by the National Institute of Food and Agriculture, U.S. Department of Agriculture, and the Office of Military Family Readiness Policy, U.S. Department of Defense, under award number 2019-48770-30366.